Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by EMC and CDI Managed Services. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey. Good morning, Dom. How are you? Hey, Nicole. I'm doing well. I'm uh, still excited from that uh, seminar we did yesterday that you put on over at the Hyatt at the Villa Cristina, that Lunch and Learn. That was excellent. Yes. Yes. Got a chance to meet some really great business leaders. And we actually have some more great business leaders that we'd like to get to know better today. Today, joining us is David Martin, CEO at Vane Innovations. We also have Greg Mooney, president of Leadership Max, and Keith Finger, who is a principal at Ignite Revenue. Welcome to the show, everyone. We are glad to have you all here today. David, get us started and tell us about Vane Innovations and what you do there. Well, Nicole, we're a, uh, a medical practice, obviously. Name is Vane Innovations, and we treat. Uh, a problem called venous insufficiency. That's a failure of the veins, uh, particularly in the legs, to work properly. That's also the root cause of varicose veins. So we started this about 12 years ago because the technology became available to start treating these problems in the office, where before uh, treatment for varicose veins, as you may recall, required a, a lengthy hospital stay, a painful mm-hmm. operation, et cetera. Now we treat this uh, uh, using catheters and ultrasound, and it's uh, very easy. We do it, as I say, in the office. People have it. Go back to work. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned varicose veins. Many times when we think of varicose veins, we think of women having that primary issue. Can you talk to us, one, about what is varicose veins? And also, is it something that impacts men as well? Okay, the, the, the quick lesson on this, Nicole, is that we have arteries and veins. Arteries take blood away from the heart, as you probably recall. Veins bring that blood back. Mm-hmm. Well, veins bring the blood back passively. So in the legs, uh, of course, blood is fighting gravity. It's got to get from the bottom of the feet back up to the heart. Mm-hmm. So this is done by what's called the muscle pump. So if you picture a vein as a hollow, flexible tube running through your leg, you take a step, your calf muscle contracts and squeezes the vein, and that's what moves the blood, that, that kind of milking motion, if you will. Anyway, there are valves inside these veins that keep the blood from going back down and force it up. The valves can fail, and when they do, the blood has nowhere to go. It goes the wrong direction. It really has nowhere to go, so it, it tends to distend or uh, enlarge uh, other branches of veins. Those are the ones that become varicosities. So this is really the root cause of it. It's the failure of valves in the vein. We have no way to fix the valves, so what we do is simply close off the veins. As you know, I, I, I mentioned the old hospital treatment, which was called a vein stripping. Mm-hmm. We no longer do that. We close the veins from the inside using thermal devices, and uh, the blood is rerouted then to newer, healthy veins. Now, you touched on uh, some of the causes of varicose veins. Can you talk about the symptoms? How would a person know that they're experiencing problems? Well, varicose veins are a symptom of venous insufficiency. So you obviously, if you have one has varicose veins, they're fairly apparent. They're large, distended, painful veins. Mm-hmm. Uh, other symptoms, however, would be swelling, either in one or both legs, mm-hmm. fatigue of the legs, easy fatigue, uh, restless leg type symptoms. Uh, we find about half our patients complain of restless leg mm-hmm. sorts of symptoms. Right. The diagnosis is very easy. We do it with ultrasound. 
And let's talk about the numbers in terms of how many people are affected by this in terms of men and women. What are those numbers like? It's hard to say. It's estimated that somewhere between 30 and 40 million adults in the United States have venous insufficiency. Mm -hmm. Certainly, in my own experience, and I'm sure in yours too, particularly when it comes to women, 60-70% of them have some complaints about the veins in their legs, whether they're mm-hmm. cosmetic or, or or deeper issues. You asked about incidents. It, it appears that about 70% of the people who have varicose veins or venous insufficiency are women. Mm-hmm. 30% are men, which is an interesting statistic for us because only about 10% of our patients are men. Now, I'm curious, is it just like maybe middle-aged women and men, or can it happen to a younger person, too? It happens to younger people as well. It can happen as a result of trauma, you Mm -hmm. know, damaging the veins. We see a lot of that, sports-related injuries and that sort of thing. But it's uh, uh, the, the, the common age, that I, I would say the mean age of people who come to see us is somewhere early 40s. Early 40s, okay. And what are some of the common myths as well as misperceptions uh, about varicose veins? Oh, let's see. The biggest one is you get them from crossing your legs. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen at all. Okay. Uh, uh, a really common myth is that this is a only a cosmetic issue. It's mm-hmm. not at all a cosmetic issue. It's much more a health issue. Uh, varicose veins in particular can predispose one uh, statistically to uh, a higher incidence of deep vein thrombosis. Mm-hmm. Certainly the phlebitis that occurs in these veins, which is when they, they sort of thrombos or clawed off and become very painful, mm-hmm. that is certainly limiting in a number of ways. And then, of course, there's the fact that uh, our activity levels really begin to diminish when we have heavy, tired, painful appendages. Mm-hmm. So that's a myth that they're cosmetic. I think those are probably the, the, the biggest one. So someone who suffers from that deep vein thrombosis and has that swelling of the leg can benefit from having your legs done at vein innovations? Oh, absolutely. But it's a deep vein thrombosis is something else entirely. So okay. if someone develops a, a, a swollen leg that is a sudden swelling, and particularly if it's accompanied by pain mm-hmm. or, or heat, they should that's a medical emergency. They mm-hmm. should immediately go and have an ultrasound to rule out a deep vein thombosis. Okay. Great, great. And what do people need to know that would help them better understand the importance of really getting your legs done? I think, I think in general the message we've been trying to get out is that this has always been thought to be sort of a natural part of aging. It is most certainly not. Uh, it's always thought to be relatively harmless, and it really is not when one considers that uh, people tend to exercise less, move around less. Mm-hmm. They tend to become more sedentary when yeah, again, their 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 legs are feeling tired, mm-hmm. achy, etc. The swelling and particularly the varicose veins; those are those are definitely signs that that one should seek attention. Particularly now, because the treatment for this is relatively easy compared to what it was, so the tolerance of the problem has really diminished quite a bit. Gotcha. We're speaking today with David Martin, CEO at Vein Innovations and Silver Lining in the Cloud. Hey, David, uh, you mentioned uh, you know the, the percentages of men and women. Why is it so hard for men to take care of their health? Well, you know, Dom, men just don't take care of themselves very well, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. The uh, first men we saw back 10, 12 years ago when we first started were, were men who were almost incapacitated. You know, they, these are guys who'd quit playing golf, who were no longer having any fun, who were more or less consigned to their chairs all day. So it's, uh, in general, men don't take care of themselves quite the way they should. It may be that we all still feel invincible and, you know, 
Yeah, no one's figured it out. I mean, people, you know, men have these issues. You know, Absolutely. They, they drive around and won't pull over for directions, and they don't go to the doctor. <laughs> Same I mean, sort of thing, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We have we are running a campaign now and have been for, for several months that men's get men get their legs done as well. Men right. get their legs done, too. So yeah, I think it's really important we're reaching out to that, that okay. group. All right, so uh, what happens to people when they come in for a treatment? What can they expect? Well, the, we, we, we have two levels of treatment, I should say, first. One is for, for, for people who just have cosmetic issues, small spider veins, no pain, no swelling. We do a free cosmetic screen that involves an exam and a quick ultrasound screen. For folks who make, the, the, make up the vast majority of our clients, by the way, with more significant issues such as the swelling, the big varicose veins, those big ropey ones, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the, the first visit's about an hour and it involves a lengthy ultrasound exam, which is a painless, you know, superficial exam, uh, a, an interview with a physician and a physical exam. So that's, that's how the ball gets rolling. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you mentioned the spider veins. I think everyone has some kind of, you know, spider vein, I suppose, somewhere. Do they uh, do they get treated on the face too? Like some people have them on their nose and absolutely, we parts. see a lot of that. Those those require a, a treatment with a special laser, and we do that. We do not inject the veins on the face. It's, I was, that was my next question because yeah. I had a feeling that uh, you know maybe it may have been an older procedure that uh, they would inject something and it would just disappear. You know, we we think. Well, in, in fact, on the legs, we do inject a, a, a special medicine, but the face, the veins are under a lot less pressure. They're, they're very easy to treat with a laser, and it's really not that safe to inject things in the face. Okay. Um, is this uh, something that's covered by insurance? Yes. Uh, 90, I'd say 92% of our revenues last year were from insurance companies. So the, especially the, the, the venous insufficiency treatment are, are widely recognized as serious medical issues. Okay. And the treatments are done at your facility? They're done in the office. Everything is done in the office. Okay. Do you, how many facilities do you guys have? We have two clinical offices at present. We're getting ready to open a third. Uh, we have one in Johns Creek, one in Sandy Springs on the campus of St. Joseph's Hospital, and we'll soon have one in Buckhead. Okay, we're talking with David Martin. He is the CEO of Vane Innovations here in Atlanta, um, in the Dunwoody area, per se, right? Well, Sandy Springs, yeah, Sandy Sandy Springs. St. Joe's, okay. very close, okay. kind of Pill Hill. <laughs> exactly, okay. So um, uh, when, when someone comes to you, uh, you know, is it a free assessment? I mean, and, and if they just have one little vein, is, how do you guys uh, do that? If, if someone shows up, to have their spider veins examined, and that's it. That's a free assessment. Uh, so we, we, we offer that. Quick. And yeah, just very quick, and mm -hmm. it's complimentary. If, in fact, they we, we see them and we realize that they have deeper issues, then we advise them to come back for the, the full workup, which is covered by insurance. Okay, okay. Um, what makes vein innovations different from other facilities that may be doing something uh, of that nature? Well, when we started, we really were interested in the science of this. Uh, we, we started from the beginning. We've offered every available treatment modality uh, for the, all these problems, spider veins, varicose veins, venous insufficiency. We're still the only ones, as far as I knew, to do that. We, we employ surgeons at our facilities so that we do a thing called uh, ambulatory phlebectomy, which involves making tiny little incisions and removing the residual varicose veins. Mm -hmm. Most vein practices don't do that. And they don't have practitioners of the same sort of level of skill. So we're quite serious about this, uh, both as a business, of course, but as a an actual clinical and medical endeavor. Okay, David. So uh, when someone comes to vein innovations, uh, is it a permanent fix? Is it something that has to be, you know, repeated? Well, there, the, the, yes, 
for the most part, the varicose vein treatment is permanent. Ninety three or four percent after 10 years have no recurrence, which, by the way, is a huge improvement over the old-fashioned vein stripping, where somewhere between 50 and 80 percent would not return. That left a lot of uh, residual problems, though. Okay, okay. And we talked about the, the insurance thing. Does that include Medicare? It does include Medicare, yes. Okay, excellent. So um, what? it's a great name. Uh, how did you uh, come up with the name? Thank you. I wish I could say I came up with it. We had <laughs> I, I started it with a, a, a vascular surgeon friend of mine, and I started the company, and he was the one who came up with the name, and it, it stuck and made a great logo, and it's descriptive, and so we've, we've held on to it. Great, great. So what do you like most about uh, what you do these days at Bain Innovations? Well, I, now I'm, I'm no longer involved in the clinical side. I just run the business, which I, which I enjoy. Uh, I, I liked I liked the, the whole uh, the clinical process. I like taking care of the patients. You know, I did heart surgery. I'm an RNFA, so that, that meant I assisted heart surgeons in the operating room. And so my career was spent doing things like that. Uh, those patients were much sicker. And uh, these are not. These patients are well, and, and it's amazing how much we help them. It's, it's remarkable how many people call us up and thank us the day after their procedures to tell us how much better they feel. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, we're talking with David Martin, CEO of Vein Innovations here in Atlanta, and um, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you to get more information and uh, maybe to set up an appointment. They can go to veininnovations.com uh, or greatlegsforlife.com is our other uh, URL. We, uh, uh, our telephone number is 678-731-9815, and that's the main number, and they, they'll be routed to the, the, the proper, proper okay. place. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much, David. And I just want to reiterate again that it's November. It's Men's Health Month. So all you guys who are in the studio today, all you guys who are listening, call Vane Innovations and get your free screening today. Next on our broadcast is Greg Mooney, president of Leadership Max. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Great, Nicole. Good morning. Greg, give us some background about Leadership Max and what you do. Leadership Max is uh, is my company. I started about a year and a half ago. Um, it is all about leadership, mm-hmm. personal growth and leadership for executives and, and teams. So I work with individual executives and leadership teams to take their leadership to the next level. Talk to us more about who John Maxwell is and what your certification means. John uh, started studying leadership about 35 years ago. He has written now 75 books on personal growth and leadership development. Uh, he's on the Amazon Hall of Fame and a number of other, <laughs> a number of other places. Uh, for the last six years in a row, by Inc. Magazine, he's been determined to be the number one leadership guru in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe John's material is the best leadership development content in the world today. I love it. Um, and the certification, basically, uh, John is 67 years old. He started uh, this um, coach certification program about three years ago. It's mm-hmm. essentially to extend his influence and legacy after he's gone. Mm-hmm. So there are now 4,000 certified coaches in the world today. It's a global organization, the fastest growing uh, leadership coach organization in the world. It basically means that I've been trained by John and his faculty, his leadership team, which is a global team. Mm-hmm. Two of the leaders of faculty are in London. Uh, they're world-renowned experts in coaching, personal and executive coaching, speaking, and uh, training. You mentioned three key words, teaching, mentoring, and coaching. What's the difference between the three, and why do people need coaching? 
Teaching is telling people information. It's sharing information. Mm-hmm. Mentoring is sharing your own experience. People tell mm-hmm. others about their experience. They tell them what they've learned, what worked for them. Um, they they tell them what they've seen work for others, and they tell them what they recommend for the individual. Um, coaching is unique and different. We tend to think of sports coaching, and this is mm-hmm. not like sports coaching. Sports coaching is also directive in nature. Most people don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. It's human nature. We want to come to our own conclusions about what to do. So a coach, a co-active coach is the, is the term that's used, is all about helping you find your truth. Mm-hmm. It's helping you find your unique path. It's right. helping you find your way. And so the coach never directs, never mm-hmm. tells, never instructs. Mm-hmm. It's always about about bringing out from the individual. So the original word education is from Latin educo, which is to draw out. Mm-hmm. It's to bring out that unique human mm-hmm. that each of us is and those unique strengths rather than to imprint ourselves on other people. Right, right. So that's what the coaching difference is. And I like that attitude because, you know, everybody has their own talents, um, you can be yourself better than anybody else. That's right. But it's also great to help people to recognize their potential, to tap into that exactly. things that they never knew that they could do. And you said, why do people need coaching? Mm-hmm. Um, we're always, we've been grown up, we've been told what to do. And when you're, when you're, when you're very young, you're very creative. And um, they've had studies that show that, you know, 100% of children under five are creative. Mm-hmm. By the time you're seven or eight years old, it's 75%. When you get into high school, it's 40%. When you get out of college, it's 20%. Why is that? It's because when we get to school, we're told to sit down, shut up, and do what we tell you. The rest of your school career, it's sit down, shut up, and do what we tell you. Mm-hmm. And that just that just quashes the creative spirit in each of us. You've seen the advertisements, like I draw within the lines and things like that. <laughs> Never thought about that. And so basically people need coaching to help them recover their creative instincts, their deep inner self that they've lost through society's imprinting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't see yourself. You can't see yourself in the picture if you're in the frame. You can't see the picture if you're in the picture. Mm -hmm. So you need someone outside of you to help you see the whole picture, an objective second party to help you to make that progress. See that bigger picture. We've been speaking with Greg Mooney, president of Leadership Max and Silver Lining in the Cloud. Now, Greg, who needs leadership development and why? Well, you know, I believe that everybody needs leadership development because leadership is part of all of life, Mm -hmm. all of the school years, all of your academia, all of sports, Mm -hmm. all of your career. Leadership is is everywhere throughout your life. Mm -hmm. So I believe everybody needs leadership development. Um, the reason we need it is, again, you, d- you don't know what you don't know. So we all need assistance in gaining awareness of things that we don't know and, and a path to gain that knowledge and skill and information. Um, the other problem is out there is called the halo effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, 97% of executives think they're at or above average. 80, 80% think they're in the top 10%. We all tend to rank ourselves much higher than reality. And we need that third-party objective view. We need that other perspective to bring us to a reality point and then put us on a real path to growth and learning. Now, describe a a typical customer or client of yours. What would they look like? A good example uh, 
in the Norcross area of a client who's middle 50s, and he said, I looked around one day and I realized that all of my direct reports are older than me, and um, all of them are going to be retired by the time I am. So then I looked at the next level in my organization, and I don't see anyone who can assume any of those roles. He's got a $100 million company. What does he do about that in the next five to 10 years? His choices would be to uh, basically to plan on hiring senior executives and lose a hundred-year-old company culture. You know, hiring top-level executives is typical, but it's also risky. You can have bad experiences. It may not fit, may not work. It can be expensive. The other alternative is to develop the leaders in your organization, which takes years of time. So what he started to do is spend one day a month. He invited everyone under four, uh, uh, at 40 or over in his company to participate. And they spend one whole day every month on leadership development. And his plan is that within five to ten years, he will have a cadre of growing, emerging leaders to run the organization. Um, that's one good example. Another example is a company I'm working with that says they want to double their sales in five years. Mm-hmm. They don't have the leadership structure to do that. And they need to develop those leaders, both the ones they have and, and the ones that are coming along. Uh, individuals who want to get better, you know, they want to reach higher levels in the organization, and they know they need to grow and learn in certain areas to do that, will engage an executive coach. We also run into what's called team dysfunction. Mm-hmm. People know <laughs> things aren't going well, they need help, <laughs> or they realize that we just, want to, we just want to be better. We want to be as good as we can be, and, um, and so they reach out to, uh, to try and do that. Mm-hmm. Leadership culture is, uh, or rather, leadership structure is important if you want to uh, promote the right culture within your environment. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, are, you know, are leaders, do uh, you think they're born or are they made? That's an interesting and age-old controversy, and the answer is yes. Leaders are born and they are made. Um, leaders, people are born with certain strengths, and sometimes those strengths align better with leadership tendencies, and sometimes they don't. But... Uh, leaders are also more importantly made because you have to continue learning and growing throughout your life uh, to reach the highest levels of leadership. So there's a real danger of people who have innate talents to rely only on those talents and not realize that they need to continue to grow. You see it in athletics, for example, all the time. People have tremendous athletic skill, but they never develop any further. Mm -hmm. And then you see the average athlete Larry Bird's a great example. He can't run very fast, and he couldn't jump very high. But he worked harder than everybody else on getting better every day. And as a result, he became one of the top basketball players, even though he wasn't the top athlete in the world. Mm -hmm. So the athletic skill, as this example analogy, is important. But the continued improvement is also important. And in the end, the continued improvement will win because the person who has super talent, they think they can rely on that forever, and they can't. Mm -hmm. So if you can provide both, if you have that innate talent and a commitment to continued growth and development, that's the best combination. So my answer is yes, both. They're both born and made. Great answer. Greg Mooney with uh, Leadership Max uh, here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. Uh, so why don't people just read about it and figure it out? You know, what's, uh, what's the magic about, you know? I mean, do some people just think that they can do the find that people resist and they just say, hey, I can figure this out on my own? Yes, and you can, of course. You know, Lincoln is famous for saying, I did, remember that commercial, I did a lot of reading and studying sort of on my own. Uh, 
Of course, we need to and should read and study on our own, but you miss some important things when you're by yourself. And one of those things is perspective, that other person's view. Um, the other thing that I would say is is interesting point is why if you're if you're reading and studying about working with people why would you do it alone? Mm-hmm. The whole topic is about working with people. It's important to be with and do things with people in leadership development. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, you want to gain those other perspectives. You want to understand other people and their views and opinions because that's part of what leadership is, and you can't get that by reading and studying only on your own. Yeah. Greg, do you find that people, you know, wait until they're uh, dealing with, uh, you know, ex- like pain or, you know, people wait till things are going so bad and then they look for help? Or, uh, you know, are the people, you know, today, executives, management people, are they more aware uh, uh, because of uh, organizations and programs like yours? It's a combination of all the above. I, I mean, I think as we talked before, you know, sometimes we're l- reluctant to admit admit our weaknesses. A friend once asked me, uh, how come is it people, when they, when they have a problem with their golf swing, they'll ask you about it. When they have a problem with their organization, they don't want to talk about it. That's an interesting question. And the answer is because th- they know everyone can see their golf swing. But they don't think people can see the trouble in their organization, but they can. Yeah. Our weaknesses are actually visible. Everyone around you knows your weaknesses. You just don't know that they do. That's and great. so people are resistant to admit a weakness and work on, on growing that strength. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting comment. So uh, you've got, I, met, I read something about uh, in your uh, text uh, about the mastermind group. What, what is, how does that work? What is that about, the mastermind group? Yeah, mastermind group is an ancient principle, really. Um, it was formalized and named this by Napoleon Hill in his classic book, Think and Grow Rich. Um, and there he defined a mastermind group as a group of individuals, 8 to 12 people or so, who gather together to focus on a common purpose with passion and commitment to each other. And when they do that, he said, there is a creation of an additional mastermind, a collective mind that is functioning with the group. It's a dynamic that doesn't exist without those ingredients present. Uh, Henry Ford had a mastermind group at the top of his organization. Uh, it's an ancient principle that's been used uh, you know, throughout time. Uh, but again, it's just a name that, that Napoleon Hill came up with. We use the term and we use it for groups who study a book or they get together and commit to a mission together um, over a period of time. So, for example, we'll take a classic book like Think and Grow Rich mm-hmm. and a group of 10 people or so will will spend a week, an hour a week, let's say on Friday morning or Saturday morning for an hour, and they'll literally sit and study and walk through that book together. And again, they gain the benefit of the perspective of the group members. Okay, great. So, Greg, what got you headed down this path? Uh, was it, has it always been something you wanted to do, or is it just something? Was there an enlightening situation? Uh, many enlightening moments. Um, probably the, the the first start was I'm I'm the youngest of eleven children, and uh, my father died when I was about a year old, and I treated that as a uh, handicap initially I thought how terrible but what I didn't realize was I was watching instead of one role model I was watching 50 role models I had 
all, most of my siblings were brothers. So I had many older brothers I would watch and other friends, parents, and coaches and other leaders. And so I watched a broad spectrum of people, and I realized later in life what a strength that was because I had become an observer of other people. Uh, and when I got into business world after college, I started to observe the leaders around me. And there are many great examples, and there are many terrible examples. And I've started to see all the negative impacts of the bad examples and the good effects of the great examples and realized how important leadership is in the world. And so I began to study it myself. Excellent, uh, excellent. And does your practice, uh, is it mainly local, or do you expand out into other uh uh, areas of the country and in the world? I'm mainly local. I spent uh, 25 years in this area uh, in engineering and construction. Oh, okay. uh, so I have a lot of network in this area. Most of my work outside this area is for organizations who I developed a relationship from this area. Okay. So what's your silver lining? What do you like most about your uh, program and, and what you do? Uh, I'm a, a, a lover of learning. I always have been, so I love to continue to learn. Uh, but my greatest joy is to see others gain awareness, to help them see a new path, to realize there are solutions to these things, um, and there is a better way. And once they realize it and use it to see them have less pain and more joy in their life. Okay, great, great. Greg Mooney with uh, Leadership Max. Uh, so tell our listeners how they can uh, find out more about your program, engage with you, and, and what they can expect. Yeah, uh, welcome them to go to visit my website at uh, leadershipmaxllc.com. Uh, my email is greg, G-R-E-G-G, at leadershipmax.com. And my phone number, 770-361-9100. Um, I offer free consultation to discuss at least the initial problem. So, and it's completely confidential. So, you know, we won't advertise that you believe you might have a problem. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. Thank you Thank very you, much, Greg. Love that Thank quote. You, I'm a lover of learning. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services and our sponsors at EMC. Next on our panel is Keith Finger. Principal at Ignite Revenue. Welcome, Keith. How are you? I'm, I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Keith, tell us about what you do at Ignite. I'm a fractional chief marketing officer, so I work with companies that are trying to grow revenue, mm -hmm. and they've usually tried to do some different things, and it hasn't worked out, and it's because they've been taking a very tactical approach. So my approach is, is strategic and then feed off into uh, those tactics and manage those for the company. Now, when it comes to businesses, you know, it's like marketing is key. You have to market, and uh, some companies don't know which way to go. So what are some of the bigger marketing mistakes that businesses make? Well, I would say the top mistake is thinking that marketing is all about promotion and advertising. Mm. Marketing is probably one of the, the functions of the company, the function that has probably the, the greatest reach because it has uh, it can affect the company in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So it's not just promotion, but it's also what you're selling, who you're selling it to, mm -hmm. why you're selling it to them, uh, what's your value proposition, mm -hmm. what's the technology that you're using to keep track of customers and prospects. 
It's customer satisfaction. To me, marketing mm-hmm. is anything that touches the revenue generation process. Right. And that's important what you said uh, about targeting the right market. Now, what's the first thing that companies should do when they are creating a marketing plan? Here we are approaching the end of 2014. People are already looking at Q1 for 2015. What's the first thing they should be doing? Well, the first thing they should have is some sort of revenue plan or business plan for mm-hmm. the next year. Because the marketing plan actually helps execute the overall business plan. So if a company wants to grow sales by 20% in -hmm. certain product lines, the marketing plan would then help facilitate that. So knowing what the goals are for the overall business helps focus the marketing plan. So so that's the first thing that that they should have. Gotcha. Now, why do so many companies struggle with um, marketing and revenue generation? Well, what I found is that they they, they tend to see marketing as being um, uh, A plus B equals C, where it'll it sort of follows a process, and it's really not as straightforward as let's say accounting or operations. Uh, there's really no formula for success. There's no silver bullet. It takes some testing. It takes intuition. It takes digging for answers and trying to understand what customers really want, how the marketplace is changing, and understanding really the, the buying process. How does your customer want to buy, not how do you want to sell? Mm-hmm. And also, you have to have a good value proposition. What makes you stand out from your competition. Uh, Many times when I talk to companies, they say, well, what makes us stand out is that we have great customer service. Well, everybody has great customer service. Everybody expects to hear that. So that becomes really a non-starter in terms of what makes you stand out. And then in your eyes, in, in your customer's eyes, you end up looking like everybody else and having to deal on price because they, they don't understand what the value is. How are you different? So uh, having a good value proposition, one that resonates with prospects, is, is really important. So now you've spent the money, you've generated the leads, they end up in a black hole after being given to your sales team. How can this be prevented? Because it's always like, oh, what's the, the newest lead, you know, the newest focus, but what about those that you already have that are interested? Well, it's funny you ask that because there's a, a statistic that says nearly 70% of sales leads are not followed up on. Wow. And it's for a variety of reasons. Sometimes there's just, um, they're just, there's no tracking mechanism. There's no CRM like Salesforce.com or mm-hmm. Zoho, any way to really keep track of what's being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times what I've seen is that marketing will, the marketing department will create leads or get leads and sort of throw them over the wall, one might say, to sales. And the history of that has been that these leads are not really leads. They're not really well qualified. Mm-hmm. They might have come from a trade show mm-hmm. where there was a giveaway for an iPad. <laughs> and so really what they're qualified for is to win the iPad. They're just a bunch of business cards from the iPad uh, giveaway. So marketing then loses credibility and those don't get followed up on uh, really what a company needs to do is, first of all, have a process for tracking. Mm-hmm have a criteria for what qualifies as as a lead. Mm-hmm. And then as that lead or as that name moves through the funnel, what is uh, what what means that it should be at each level? So if someone is at is new in the funnel, do they meet the basic um, uh, criteria for being 
a prospect. Mm -hmm. Are they the right type of company, the right size? Mm -hmm. If they're going to be handed off to sales, why are they being handed off to sales? What have they done that shows that they're ready for sales versus they might need further information or, mm -hmm. or, or further nurturing? Mm -hmm. so, so lead management is a process, not just let's call these people right away. And sometimes even if you call someone, they might be at the very beginning of the uh, at, of the buying process. Let's say you have a buying process that, that's a six-month process for your customers. Mm -hmm. If someone's at the very start of it, they might not be ready to talk to a salesperson. They're just gathering information, but they might be ready to talk to a person in two or three months. If that goes to the salesperson and the salesperson isn't tasked with nurturing that lead, they might just dismiss it if the person's not ready to buy or not mm -hmm. really interested yet. That should go back to marketing for further nurturing until that person has the information to then talk to uh, sales. Right. You definitely want to keep in touch. We've been speaking with Keith Finger, Chief Marketing Officer at Ignite Revenue. Okay, Keith. So, uh, you know, let's talk about social media a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, the hot subject that uh, I don't know how long it's going to last, but uh, is it going to last? Well, I think it's going to be around a while. I think it depends on your market, who you sell to. You know, it, funny, I, I get a lot of questions asking me about this tactic and that tactic and just about marketing at all. And the big question, the, the big answer that I give is it depends. It depends who your customer is. It depends how they buy, where they go for information. Uh, social media works in different ways for different types of industries. It's, it's especially effective in uh, B2C, business to consumer types of, of markets. Uh, if it's B2B, it, I, my belief is that it plays more of a supporting role. So someone might not go to a Facebook page to buy something from IBM, but if IBM has social media buttons on their website or different things, they might click on those and, and see what IBM is saying to help gather information. Mm -hmm. So even though a company is not necessarily buying uh, or rather selling through their social media, it needs to be updated or needs to be kept up to date so that it reflects well on the company. Okay. So is there a particular type, company, size, industry, whatever, that's uh, you know, better suited for, for your service? Well, my focus is on B2B companies, companies that sell to other businesses. Mm -hmm. And it uh, could be anywhere from a startup to a company that's 50 or 80 million in revenue or more. Really what I found is that it's a business that wants to grow revenue and they usually don't have somebody who is of the uh, who has the VP of marketing title. They might have a marketing coordinator. They might even have a director of marketing. Those people are very tactical. I found so they need somebody who can help develop strategy, put together a plan, and sometimes even um, direct those other marketing employees uh, to help execute the plan. Okay. So with all of your experience, uh, do you find that there's similar traits that companies kind of go through based on maybe how old they are, how long they've been in business, things like that? Or is it a people thing? Is it, you know, is it something that you really focus in on that addresses, you know, areas that, uh, you know, similar to Greg, you know, dealing with people? Do they, do they need help on that side? Or do you just plug in with your magic... Uh, formula. <laughs> I would love secret to sauce. I know? would love to say there's a secret sauce, but the secret sauce starts off with about a month or six week assessment. And I have, uh, I, I call it my, my revenue insight approach where I interview the uh, management team, key employees, 
uh, customers, I survey customers, I survey the employees at large, I talk to suppliers, I talk to distributors, anybody who, ha who might have any type of say or insight into the company's revenue generation process, how they do what they do. It's been my experience that people think that the problem is X, but the problem is really A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So they, they might have identified what they think it is, but I will usually find many other things that are contributing that must also be addressed if they really want to grow the way they want to grow. And, and sometimes it is leadership. Certainly I've been in situations where the leaders were, they, they had poor leadership skills and, and they didn't have the respect of their employees. And so I could come up with the best marketing plan, but maybe it wasn't going to be uh, bought into by the, by the employees, by the, the management team, because they didn't support the ownership. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I, I'm getting a, a sixth sense about you. Is there something that uh, is different about your approach or about you as a person as to what you see in companies? Well, I'm a, I, I like to think of myself as, as a marketing um, investigator, a marketing, somebody who, who wants to dig, maybe a marketing archaeologist. Ah. But uh, I think you have to find the root cause of, of why things are happening. And because I'm, I'm a strategist first, and I'm not a, a tactical person. I, I'm not here to sell a certain marketing skill like PR or social media. My job is to help generate revenue. And so I then go out and find the people who need to do these other things as needed. I don't have a hidden agenda to sell those types of skills. So what I want to do is uncover what's happening, put together a plan to overcome those items, and to then grow revenue for the company. Okay, so do, do, do companies uh, come to you? You know, do they say, they, you know, I've got this problem, like, uh, you know, do a search, do a Google search or something and uh, see if there's somebody out there that can fix it? Uh, or do you, uh, how do you engage with companies? Is it word of mouth or referrals or what? Um, primarily it's referrals, though I have gotten some business off of, off of web search or uh, I'm a member of the Gwinnett Chamber, so I'm listed on their website and uh, I've been found off of that. Okay, okay. I love the name, Ignite Revenue. It's a perfect fit. That's what I try to do. So is there, a, is there an ROI? Do they always come back to you and some companies say, you know, sh you know sh prove this to me and how, what am I going to see on the bottom line and when? Well, that's the, I always talk about that, that, you know, what, what's their pain? Where do they want to be? And I help them to understand what things will cost and what the payback will be. I had a client where the ROI was 100 times. Whoa. That's huge. It was huge. Wow. Wow. So uh, we're talking with Keith Finger, uh, Ignite Revenue, and um, uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, service that you're providing, really. It's, uh, uh, I can see it. It's, uh, are, are people, you know, do you, do you, how did you get involved in this business? Well, my background was doing this on the corporate side. So I was a, a corporate uh, product marketing manager for some Fortune 500 companies, uh, one of which I had a $160 million revenue target, and then uh, had sort of a, a, a revelation about a decade ago and decided to go out and do this on my own. I, I noticed that a lot of companies needed help in this, and I wanted to uh, work for myself. Okay. Uh, any company, or is there a particular, you know, peep for the listeners, uh, you know, what, what kind of companies, uh, how do, you know, is, is a fit for you? How do they know? Uh, uh, 
anybody, let's say from a, a startup up to really, it could be 50, 80, 100 million dollars. My focus is on business to business firms. Mm-hmm. I've done work in technology, professional services, manufacturing. I love manufacturing. Uh, I think I'm fascinated by machines. And uh, it's really someone who has a desire, really a desire to to grow revenue. Sometimes it's revenue has flattened out and they've tried some things and it's not working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have the foresight to say, you know what, things are going well. We know it won't keep going. They won't, they won't keep going well if we just let it happen. We want to be deliberate about it. Can you help us be more deliberate in our approach to revenue generation? Okay. You must have some great case studies. So uh, what do you like most about what you do, Keith? Um, I would say when it works. Well, I would say it's, it's two things. It's, first of all, it's, it's uncovering, uncovering those little nuggets of information that point you to what's happening and why within the company. And then putting together a plan and that plan working. People responding? Yeah, people responding, revenue being generated, and you're just like, you know, you're just pumping your fist like, you know, I I love it when things work out. Yeah, don't we all? Right. I I do kind of a little Lambo leap over that. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great, great. So um, is there anything else that uh, we need to mention about uh, Ignite Revenue? Well, uh, my website is uh, www.keithfinger.com, and uh, phone number is 770 Keithfinger.com. Here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. We'd like to thank today's guest from Vane Innovation, CEO David Martin, with Leadership Max, their president, Greg Mooney, and from Ignite Revenue, their CMO, Keith Finger. We appreciate you all for being on the show. I'm Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey, with CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT, infrastructure, and cloud solutions and support. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions and cloud support, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.